This is In The Moment. I'm your host, Reverend Ricky Allen Jr. Praying that you've had an excellent weekend, an excellent week, and you're looking forward to whatever God has in store for you in the upcoming days. Though they're not promised, we look forward with anticipation. And I pray that whatever you're doing right now, whatever you're going through, that the Lord has his will and his way in taking care of it for you and you giving God the glory and the praise. Amen. So let's get started with our morning scripture. It comes from Isaiah 43, 2, Isaiah 43, 2, which reads, When thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. Amen. Now, we've been going through this book called Prayers That Rout Demons, and this week we are going to be going over a prayer written to break curses and cast out generational spirits. I know that many of you out there have uh, emailed me and talked about this topic. One day the Lord will send us a message on it, but until then, I came across this prayer in the book and I wanted to share it with you. So uh, sit back and focus on the challenges in your own life in regards to generational curses, these things that have been handed down from your family to now, to this next generation that you want to break, that you want to block, and that you want to bind up in the name of Jesus. So let's see what this has to say. I break all generational curses of pride, lust, perversion, rebellion, witchcraft, idolatry, poverty, rejection, fear, confusion, addiction, death, and destruction in the name of Jesus. I break all spoken curses and negative words that I have spoken over my life in the name of Jesus Christ. I break all spoken curses and negative words spoken over my life by others, including those in the authority in the name of Jesus. I command all ancestral spirits of Freemasonry, idolatry, witchcraft, false religion, polygamy, lust, and perversion to come out of my life in the name of Jesus. Email us at yourmomentministries at gmail.com with your praise and prayer requests. Help support this ministry through your cash app, dollar sign, your moment. We appreciate your continued prayers and support. And now, today's message. And we're still in Habakkuk, that complaining prophet. We started last week talking about everything that he was complaining about and how these things were very similar to the things that we talk about now and stress out about. And we ended with God telling the prophet to stand by. I'm just paraphrasing here. He said, stand by in a nutshell. He's going to do something amazing and it's going to blow your mind. Even if he tells you it's going to blow your mind, you may not understand it, but it's going to blow your mind. And that's pretty much the uh, first portion of chapter one that we're going to look into now. So what does God tell this prophet? Well, that's what we're going into this week. The first part last week, go back and check that series, that part of the series out, Burdens and Blessings Part 1. We're in Part 2 now. And so what's going on here is interesting. We're going to see what God was talking about that he's going to do uh, in response to everything Habakkuk had brought to him that was uh, stressing him out, in a, you know, just stressing him out, just bothering him. So that's where we're at. That's what we're doing. So I need you to turn into your Bibles, the first chapter of Habakkuk, 
and we are going to start at verse 5 and then read to see what everything God is going to do in response to what's going on around our complaining prophet. So let's get started. Verse 5, Behold ye among the heathen, and regard, and wonder, and marvelously, for I will work a work in your days which ye will not believe, though it be told to you. We just talked about that. Verse 6, For lo, I raise up the Chaldeans, that bitter and hasty nation, talking about the Babylonians here, which shall march through the breadth of the land and to possess the dwelling places that are not theirs. They are terrible and dreadful. Their judgment and their dignity shall proceed of themselves. Their horses are swifter than the leopards and are more fierce than the evening wolves. And their horsemen shall spread themselves and their horsemen shall come from far. They shall fly as the eagle that hasteth to eat. They shall come for they shall come all for violence. Their faces shall sup up as the east wind, and they shall gather the captivity as the sand. And they shall scoff at the kings, and the princes shall be a scorn unto them. They shall deride every stronghold, for they shall heap dust and take it. Then shall his mind change, and he shall pass over and offend imputing his power unto his God. We'll stop at verse 11 this time around. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this word. We pray, Lord, that we learn something from it that we can apply to our lives in a practical manner, whether physical or mental. Now, Lord, unlock the word to us and lock it to those who are watching and listening. In the name of Jesus, amen. Burdens and blessings. This is the theme we're going on today, this uh, continuous saga of understanding burdens and blessings. Uh, the prophet Habakkuk starts off as calling this a burden. Uh, he didn't say it was a prophecy, he says a burden. You know, so it's very interesting in that because sometimes that's how we see the things around us as burdens. He starts off because it is a burden what he's seeing. You know, the things that he's talking about, he's seeing are all burdens, all the lawlessness, all the problems, all the injustice. And so now we see God is uh, going to respond. First chapter, we see a prophet who's complaining about what's going on around him and wondering what God is doing. He's fed up like we all get at times when we read or watch the news. How many of us do that? And crazy things are going on. Injustices are occurring and we yell out that it isn't fair and that isn't fair and this isn't fair and how could they just let that happen? And in the middle of our anger, yes, we wonder where God is. How many times have you done that? You've seen things going on and you see the shootings and you, you see the, the people getting off scot-free for heinous crimes and you're saying to yourself, where is God in all of this? Where, where is he? Am I looking in the wrong direction? Am I, am I on the wrong website? Where, where, where is God? We're all, we all do this now. Let's not act too holy out there. So this week, we're going to look at that response. As I said earlier, we left off with God telling the prophet to watch what he's going to do. So now we find out what it is. Scripture says he's going to raise up the Babylonians or the Chaldeans, depending on which interpretation of the Bible that you have. 
He goes on to describe the Babylonians to Habakkuk. So he says, they are a global force, verse 6. They are feared and looked only, they only look to themselves, verse 7. They have better resources and are violent, that's verse 8. And they laugh at the competition, verses 9 through 10. And they don't skip a beat in what they do because they do it well and they keep it moving, verse 11. Now that you've heard God's answer, the question is now why? Why would God let this happen? You see how we go back to that question? When God tells us, the prophet in verse 5, look at the nations and watch and be utterly amazed, for I'm going to do something in your days that you will not believe, even if you were told, we see why we have to do this. What we fail to see is the, what significant is it to the current state of affairs and what our earthly nation is going through around us. How it's affecting the body of believers around us, me and you, so that the question, and that's the question, and here's the answer. God is going to raise up or establish the Babylonians this is how he responds to Habakkuk. And if you also notice, he gives no intention on what they're going to do to the people. He gives no intention. He simply describes who they are and what they do. There are some things I want you to highlight here with the first being in verse 7, where these people are also prideful. It says their judgment and their dignity shall proceed of themselves. They pat themselves on the back and give no glory to God. But in verse 11, they give credit of the power they have to do these things to their God. They're drawing power through their God, yet they're not giving any glory. It's, you know, they give credit, yeah, our God's doing this for us. These are people who do not worship the God of Abraham, Joseph, and Joshua. These are very much far from knowing who the true God is and the God we serve. And it's going to let these people be dealt with by those people because if they're going to act like them, then obviously they think they can hang with them in all areas of life. So God says, okay, go have at it. When you turn away from God, bear this in mind, and you start doing your own thing, it won't be long before you meet a professional non-believer that is stronger. Let me say that one more time for you. When you, a child of God, one who has professed the name of Jesus Christ, you profess you are a child of the King, when you decide you're going to break away and act independently of God's will in your life, you're going to meet someone who does that for a living. Professional non-believers. This is what they do. They can stand by what they believe. They are authentic in their non-belief. And here you are, here you come. And you're going to face one of them. Okay. All right. They're stronger, faster, smarter, and more adept to things of the secular world than you are. Your disobedience is their lifestyle. Are you kidding? Where you are disobedient, that's how they live. You honestly have no clue how to fight them or how to deter the things they worship without God. You have no clue. 
When you decide to act independently of the Lord, you're only saying, I can do this better. And God says, okay, let's see if you really want to be in the world with these people. They are lost and know they don't deserve, they don't serve God. And they have made their choices. You're only a visitor, a dabbler to their world. That's what you are. They will destroy you and laugh at you while they do it. Because they know where you come from. They know what you claim to represent. And now they see you're acting independently of God's will. They will destroy you and they will laugh about it. Why? Because they say, oh, we got another one. We got another one. He wasn't really about that life. He wasn't really about serving his God. He went to church and drunk coffee, had donuts. was on Facebook the entire service. He wasn't really about that life. And now we see, now we see. When you turn away from God, you will be overwhelmed by what the world is doing and will become nothing more than just another prisoner to their sinful nature. See, sometimes Satan and his demons don't kill you. Sometimes they don't kill you. Sometimes they will take you, make a prisoner of the war against good and evil, and make you a walking advertisement for hell. They will keep you in your state. They will keep you in your mind frame. They will keep you in your house, your finances, and marriage. And everybody around you will know what you did, know how you did it, but they also know now you've fallen. And you have worked, you've begun to work independently of God's will. So guess what? They'll take you. Oh yeah, they'll take you all day. And they will flip you and make you a walking advertisement for hell. So what do we learn from this? When we decide to get work against God's will for us. God separates us from him. That is what's about to happen here. He's about to separate his people from him because they're not acting like his people. And when we don't bear the likeness of God, when we don't bear the likeness of Christ, who came to die on a cross for our sin, who came to die for his people for their sins, and we have accepted him, and then all of a sudden, for whatever reason, we turn away and go independent because we see something in the world we want to do, but we also know it goes against God's will. We also know it goes against what Christ has taught us and all the reasons he came in the first place. It's going to get a little wild. God separates himself. He can't be around that. He cannot be around that. And that is what's going on here with Habakkuk and the people. Judah is in a bad spot right now. So God is separating himself from these disobedient people, because that's what they are. They are disobedient. They're being disobedient. They're not listening. They've gone their own way. And so God said, okay, well, I'll just turn you over to people that are doing what you're doing. And we'll see how long you last. Sometimes God will do that with us. When we decide we're going to go our own way, turn a different direction and decide, you know what, thanks, but no thanks because there are things I want to do that I can't do with you, so I'm going a different direction. I'm not going to listen. Sometimes God says, okay, you go do you. You go do you. We'll see how long you last. We'll see. 
you're gonna you're gonna realize very quickly what arena you in. You're gonna realize it very quickly. When we don't bear the likeness of Christ in our life, and we we then start wondering why all of a sudden things go downhill because you've been put off the reservation, brother, sister. You didn't even realize it. The moment you turned your back to God, how can you see anything that God wants you to do? That He any signs that God is sending you, directing you? You know, how can you see anything when your back's to Him? You're going your own way. You're on your own. You gotta use your own eyes. You gotta use your own ears. You gotta use your own speech. You gotta figure it out. Come on, that's what's gonna happen because of your choices. You're out there where you desire to be, and God isn't there with you because of your choices, because of them. But the good thing is, because of the grace of Christ, you can turn around. You see, the devil wants to fool you into thinking that you cannot turn around at no given time. Once you've made your choice, you've got to stick with it. You've got to be committed. And that's just it. That's a lie. The devil's telling you a lie. If you're out there right now thinking that you can't turn around and go back to Christ, ask for forgiveness and repent of your sins, then you've been lied to. And the people that are around you have lied to you. If nobody's told you that, I'll tell you that today. The people around you have lied to you, letting you know, oh, you've gone too far. There's, there's no need going to church now. There's no need uh, reading the Bible now because, well, you've just done too much. That's a lie. That's a lie because they want you to stay in step with them because they know what they're doing is wrong. But misery loves company. So guess what? You the company. But you have a chance. You can turn around. Don't wait until something happens bad and then decide, well, I got to make changes now. No, don't do that. God is giving you opportunity after opportunity and you see it. That's the worst part about this whole situation. You probably see what's going on and you still decided I'm going to go my way though because this is what I want to do. And this is, uh, you know, I'm so afraid about not being able to do what I want to do. You haven't given God a chance to show you a life you have never known. So guess what? You don't get turned over like Judah. You don't get turned over. God, yes, God turns you over to your desire. Once he realizes and determines that you are not going to change, that you are unrepentant, that you have decided to act independently of his will, eventually, through everything you're going to see around you, eventually, it's going to start changing like the clouds in the sky. We all see a storm coming when it when it get, starts getting dark, when the winds start blowing hard, when it starts getting a little colder, possibly. We all see it coming. We all know it's coming. So what do we do? We go inside. You will not see it coming. And before you know it, the storm will be on you and on top of you, and you won't know what to do next because you'll be out there in it. The difference between me and you is I know where to run and I choose to run there. You have decided to be out there. And I'm telling you right now, the call for repentance is now. Repent, change, come back to the Lord Jesus Christ. I see 
And I'm going to go ahead and answer this, by the way, because I know some of you out there don't think this possible. Oh, no, he's 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 lying. That's not in the Bible. He, you know, you you can't do that bad and get turned away from God and and God not respond and just let you do it. Uh, yeah. Think again. I want you to go to Judges 10, 6 through 9. The children of Israel turn away from God and serve other gods. And the Lord's response was they became prisoners to the Philistines and the Ammons. Chaos in the land when separated from God. Chaos was in the land. Then they cried out in verse 10 through 14 out of that same chapter. And God said, nope, go cry to the gods you have chosen. Facing someone bigger than you, stronger than you, better than you, brings about the following restoration process with God. And when we start looking at this whole picture of what's going on, this is what it's about. He is bringing us into a restorative process to come back to him. What is that? Confession, accountability, obedience, submission, and dependence. I'm going to say it again for you. Confession, accountability, obedience, submission, and dependence. You chose to accept Christ as Lord and Savior and placing all accountability on your life in, on this earth and beyond it in his hands. You confess you're a sinner, now saved by the grace of Christ through his shedding of blood on the cross and resurrection. And you held accountable to that. You're held accountable to that. You hold him accountable to that. You're obedient to his word and submit to the lordship of Jesus Christ over your life, your everything, and you depend on him and him only. That's, that's, the, that's the key right there to see you through to the end of your days. You want to know why God will let something bigger than you, stronger than you, better than you show up in your life, in your disobedience, show up in your uh, decision to act independently of God's will, this is the reason right here. This is the reason. Sometimes it's the only way to get your attention, my attention, all of our attention. You may be out there right now in the middle of some horrible stuff and you think that God is punishing you. That's the, that's the buzzword. God is punishing me. No, he is trying to get your attention and call you into repentance so that you turn away from those foolish ways and come back to him. Repent, change, come to the Lord Jesus Christ, accept him as Lord and Savior, or better yet, rededicate your life to Christ for those unrepentant Christians that have gone out there and wild out and come back into the fold. There was once a story about a, um, a sheep that decided it was going outside of the pasture and go get gr uh, greener grass and it's gonna be out there. And everybody looked at the sheep chewing grass like, all right, well, I mean, you know, that, that's, your, that's your decision, do your thing. I mean, but there's grass right here. I don't know why you wanna do that and so Somehow it got out the pasture. It found a way. Because when you want to dis want to be disobedient, you'll find a way. Even with God watching, you'll find a way. And so the sheep goes out there 
and he gets tore down by all sorts of crazy animals out there outside the gates. And the sheep are looking, and they're, you know, they're eating the grass and everything, and they think it sucks, you know. And finally, the shepherd has seen enough. And the sheep comes running back up the hill. Can you picture this beat-up sheep coming up the hill? I mean, this beat-up. I mean, this, there's patches of hair missing, and he's got a black eye and missing teeth, and the hoof is halfway broken, and... You know, and the shepherd grabs him up and dusts him off. And he walks him into the pasture. And he starts nursing the wounds. And he starts going through the process of healing and restoring the sheep to its full glory amongst the other sheep he takes care of. And so this sheep goes into the pasture and he's telling everybody what he saw out there. He said, well, don't go out there. Oh. Oh, you know, he's, he's so busy trying to protect everybody else from going out there. And they said, no, we're not going out there. We know what's out there. That's why we stay here. And the sheep marveled in the answer, realizing that it was him who made the decision, an unnecessary decision to go out into the world looking for better when he could have stayed home and got better under the shepherd. Some of y'all have gone out to the world looking for better when you could have stayed home and got better under the shepherd. And you got beat up. And you got worn out like a bad shirt on a summer day. And you now you're coming back and you're just beat up. God's going to dust you off. He's going to get you healed up. He's going to get you restored. He's going to place you right back amongst us. And it's okay. No judgment. No judgment. Don't get lied to out there. Oh, they're going to judge you if you go back. No, no. I'll be happy when you come back. Be thrilled. I don't want you out there. No one wants you out there. But you decided that. You chose that. I could only tell you or only warn you but so many times that there's a snake in the backyard. You got to make a choice on whether or not you're going back there or not. That's, that's all that can be done. Christ lays it out in his word on what's out there and what you need to do to avoid it and stay on the path of righteousness. Judah didn't do that. And now God responds. He's going to raise up someone better, bigger and better. <laughs> and hopefully they'll get their response. Will he? Will it? We're going to see. And we will deal with that next week as we continue our theme on burdens and blessings. But if you're out there, and you are in this place, and you don't know Christ as Lord and Savior, I want you to email us at the information provided earlier in the show. We want to talk to you about a life inside the kingdom with Jesus Christ, how you can receive the Holy Spirit into your life and live in a peace that goes beyond all understanding. I know you're out there. I know you're watching, and I know you need the help, and we're here to help you. We're going to get you from point A to point B if it kills us, no matter what the world says. The Lord Jesus Christ is real. He, he lives today and he wants you to know him and he wants to be known. And that's what we're here to do. And that is to make the introduction. So may God bless you. May heaven smile upon you. And we will talk to you again, God willing, next week as we continue our theme, Burdens and Blessings, as we look through the prophet Habakkuk and his dialogue with God. You take care.